Poker, All the Games, is a podcast that introduces listeners to more than 20 variations of poker. Each episode will highlight one game, as well as dive into any controversial news in the poker world. We know why you're here. Because you love poker as much as we do. Now introducing your host, Sean Griegas. Hello and welcome to our podcast, Poker All the Games. This is episode four of Poker All the Games. We're coming at you from the east coast of the United States, March 2022. I'm your host, Sean Online as Atomic Squeeze, Nuke, Hops, or Homebrew, depending on where you play. We have a fun and informative show for you today, where we'll be focusing on 7-Card Stud. We'll find out what I'm drinking for this episode, then we'll get to Stud, and finally end with news about the 2022 WSOP. Along the way, you'll hear about my recent play since the last episode. Thanks for tuning in. And I hope you enjoy the show as much as I enjoy shooting the shit about all things poker and beer. Since poker is a social sport, and I'm a brewer and enjoy beer, this episode I'll be drinking a beer from The Seed, a brewery in Atlantic City, New Jersey. This beer is their ESB, which stands for Extra Special Bitter, called Years After, which was brewed in collaboration with Bond Place Brewing out of Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. A quick shout out about this brewery. The Seed was named Best Brewery by USA Today's 10 Best for 2021. All right, back to the beer. This one's in a can. While this is an ale and not a lager, this beer sits nice in a Spiegelow lager glass, and it would also go lovely in one of those beer can-shaped glasses that y'all probably know about. The color of this one leans away, a little away from copper, more towards an amber color on this beer. Oh, nice. There's that enjoyable interplay that's expected between the malt, hops, and yeast in an ESB. Now... While the B in ESB stands for bitterness, don't confuse this English-style bitter with an American IPA. The high end of bitterness for an ESB is actually at the low end for an American IPA. As expected, there's a punch of breadiness along with a touch of sweetness and just a tinge of fruitness from the yeast coming through. It's a great play on all the ingredients. This one is tasty and comes in at 5.4% ABV, and it's going to go down quickly, so let's get started. Just remember, quick reminder, that our focus here in this podcast is non-Hold'em poker, although we'll also discuss Hold'em poker along the way. Our goal is to bring you the rules and easy-to-remember basic strategy tips to get started playing mixed games. Today's episode will be covering stud. Specifically, seven-card stud, so let's get started. Why seven-card stud? Well, one of the reasons seven-card stud is recommended as a next first step is in part due to its popularity. While there's several variations of stud poker, 
seven-card stud can be found in a number of casinos and online poker sites. While not as popular as Hold'em or even as Omaha, seven-card stud is a great place to start to spread your wings into mixed games and get away from flop games. Playing seven-card stud is quite fascinating for a number of reasons, actually. One is due to the number of cards dealt to each player, which, of course, is seven. Second, not only are some cards dealt face up and some face down, but each player's seven cards in front of them are like an entire poker game in and of itself. And what I mean is that since there's no flop and therefore no community cards, there are no shared cards, and instead, each player has their own seven cards to make a hand from. The fact that some cards from each player's hands are face up provides limited information, and betting actions on each street reveals additional information about a player's holding. All right, let's get to the general rules and play of seven card stud. This game can be played high low or high only. Today, we'll be discussing the high only version since we haven't yet gotten into high low games in this podcast series. But stay tuned, soon enough we'll be getting into split pot high-low games. Not today, though. We're going to be talking about seven-card stud high. So be sure to find out if the game you're sitting in is stud high or stud eight or better, which is the high-low split pot game. You want to make sure you're sitting in the right game. Um, the most basic thing you'll find you'll uh, hear on this podcast is know the rules of the game you're playing. So be sure you're sitting in a stud high game, um, which will be what this podcast is uh, discussing today. So this is a stud game with fixed limit betting. In the end, each player will be dealt seven cards, and the normal ranking of poker hands is utilized, with the pot going to the player with the highest five-card hand. Now, before we get to the specific, before we get to the specifics of seven-card stud, Jeez, I said this one was only 5.4%, but it's already hitting me. Um, before we get to the specifics of seven-card stud, let's go over some poker vernacular for stud that you'll need to play this game and, uh, and any stud variant. So first, ante. An ante is a small, mandatory bet that has to be posted prior to being dealt into the hand. And an ante is used to... Uh, to to, to increase action. If you're forced to pay money before you even see your cards, it's going to make it a little easier to enter the pot and want to get involved in a hand because you've already got you've already got a small amount of money invested. And it uh, also increases the size of the pot. Um, as we've talked about and we'll talk about in future episodes as well, you realize that uh, limit, limit games, um, the, the pots can actually get quite large. So that's an ante, a small mandatory bet that has to be posted prior to being dealt into the hand. Next is the bring-in, another mandatory bet, less than the amount of the smaller betting limit and must be paid by the person with the lowest up card to start the round. There's also a complete or a completion, which is a betting amount equal to the small betting limit. In the first round of betting, any player may complete, that is, move the betting up to the small betting limit from the lower bring-in amount. Finally, a door card. The door card is the first up card dealt to a player. Simply the first up card that everyone can see, the, car, it, the card in the window or the door, the door card. All right, let's, a, a quick example using, uh, using these, uh, 
these terms before we uh, before we move on. So if the game is a 510 stud game, so we're playing a $5, $10 limit stud game, the ante, which again is the forced bet from each player before being dealt in the hand, the ante in a 510 stud game might be 50 cents. The bring in, which is the player with the lowest door card, the lowest up card, um, is the bring-in. So the, the bring-in in a 510 stud game might be $2. So there's a 50 cent ante from each player. If you have the lowest first up card, your door card is the lowest one showing, that would be $2. And to complete, you could complete. So the, the person with the lowest up card or the lowest door card could also complete to $2 or any player afterwards could complete for $2. So we're in a 510 stud game. Everyone is forced to pay a 50 cent ante. The lowest door card is the bring in at $2. And any player in that first round can complete, which would be $5 in this game. And any raise increments would be in $5 increments until the later streets. So those are some of the some of the vernacular and some of the some of the terms that uh, that you'll get comfortable with uh, listening to this podcast. So specifically, how do we deal and play seven card stud? As mentioned, an ante is used for any player at the table wishing to be dealt into a hand. After the antes are posted, three cards are dealt to each player, two down and one up. And remember that that first up card that we mentioned is the door card. So antes are posted. Three cards to each player, two down, and one up. The player with the lowest up card, known as the door card, is forced to pay the bring-in. Play continues clockwise around the table, with subsequent players either folding, matching the bring-in, or completing to the larger amount equal to the small betting limit. Once action is taken by each player at the table still in the hand, a card is burned, and another card, known as 4th Street, is dealt face up to each player still in the hand. Another round of betting, checking, depending on prior action, takes place, beginning with the player now showing the highest hand. So the start of action starts with the player with the lowest hand showing, the lowest door card, and from now on, from 4th Street forward, the player with the highest hand showing is the one where the action starts. Once action is taken by each player at the table still in the hand, another card is burned and a fifth card, known as Fifth Street, is dealt face up to each player still in the hand. So again, here action starts with the person with the highest, uh, highest hand showing on Fifth Street. Action starts with them, moves around the table, and remember, starting with Fifth Street, so on Fifth Street, Sixth, and Seventh Street for the remainder of this hand, the betting amounts are doubled to the higher betting limit. So in this particular 510 game, Fifth Street is where the bets start in $10 increments. Another round of betting takes place, beginning with the player with the highest hand showing and continuing clockwise around the table. Once action is taken by each player at the table still in the hand, another card is burned and a sixth card, you got it, known as Sixth Street, <laughs> is dealt face up to each player still in the hand. Another bet round of betting or checking or raising, depending on prior action, takes place, beginning with the player with the highest hand showing and continuing clockwise around the table. Once action is taken by each player at the table still in the hand, another final card is burned and a seventh card known as, you guessed it, 7th Street, is dealt face down 
now to each player. So 7th Street, face down. Another round of betting takes place, beginning with the player with the highest hand showing, which again is going to be the same player as the 6th Street. So whoever started the action on 6th Street still has the highest hand showing and will also start action on 7th Street, right? Because 7th Street is face down, so the 6th Street highest hand will also be the 7th Street highest showing hand. Finally, the showdown, where a winner is determined with the best high hand being made from five of the seven cards in each of the remaining players' hands. So there's a, there's a bit going on here compared to the flop games that many of us are used to. You got seven cards uh, with three of them will be, end up face down, four face up. You have antes, completions, bring-ins, um, raises. You have betting limits changing uh, on later streets compared to earlier streets. So uh, a lot going on. So if you need to rewind this podcast a little bit and go you know, listen to that a little more closely, go, go for it. And uh, as we'll talk about coming up, I'm, uh, I'm actually working on writing a book where uh, you'll be able to read about all these variations that we discuss in this podcast. And uh, while we go over them here verbally, it'll probably be easier um, if you're interested in this to uh, buy the book once it's out and, uh, and you'll have it in writing um, and be able to reference back to each game and exactly how each game is, is dealt, played, and all the terms. So that's the deal and mechanics of Seven Card Stud. Let's go over some beginner's tips to get you started in a game of Seven Card Stud. All right, so we got some more terms here. So our, our first tip is to play rolled up hands aggressively. A rolled up rolled up in stud means starting with three of the same numbered cards. So if your first three cards in stud are, let's say, three tens, you have two down tens and one ten showing, you're rolled up. You've got a monster. Play this hand aggressively all the way through. It's the best hand. The best hand you can start with are uh, three of the same numbered cards being rolled up um, in stud. It's like starting with pocket aces in uh, in Texas Hold'em. Play big pairs since this is stud high. Play big pairs: tens, jacks, queens, kings, and aces. So even if you're not rolled up, but if you have if you have a, a pair, pair of tens, jacks, queens, kings, or aces, play those. You're you're, get, you're definitely getting involved in this hand. Um, and going a little deeper, we're going to go a little deeper here, a little beyond the basics here. Um, if you have a split pair, so if you have one 10 down and one up, that's going to be different than two 10s down and a different card other than a 10 up. Um, if you have the two big pair, if you have the big pair, so two big whole cards down that nobody can see, nobody knows where you're at. If you have, right, if you have an ace up, and then an ace down and even a deuce in your hand. Let's say you have ace, deuce not showing and an ace showing. Uh, the rest of the players are going to be a little cautious if you start playing aggressively because they're going to see that ace up. And, you know, some might think you're, you're, you're bluffing and others might be concerned that you have an ace um, underneath too. So it, it, it's, it's a lot more disguised if your, your pocket pair is, is down and nobody can see it. So be cautious playing medium pair. Next tip, be cautious playing medium pairs like sevens, eights, and nines. But get involved if, if your third card is suited or connected. For example, if you have a pair of eights, eight, eight, seven, right? You're, uh, you're connected. You have a pair of eights and your seven and eight connects, you know, for a potential straight. 
Um, or again, if you have, you know, eight, eight, nine, and you're, you know, you have an eight and a nine suited, you, you got a chance at a straight, you got a chance at a flush, uh, and you already have a pair as well. Play three, next tip, play three suited cards if there are less than three of your suit face up. So you really have to pay attention uh, in these mixed game variants, variations. Um, uh, you're going to hear me use the word variant. I'm going to try to switch over to variation. I know uh, there's uh, uh, a lot of talk about you know using the word variant, especially with COVID, uh, just, just getting past COVID. So I'm going to talk about poker variations. Um, this was brought to my attention. Uh, I, I heard Maria Ho talk about it um, while she was uh, while she was in the booth uh, calling one of the poker games and and sort of mentioned about variants and so I'll, I'll I'll try to stay away from using the word variant and use the word, word variation. So a little 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 side note there. Anyway, if you have three suited cards, let's say you have three clubs, you start two down clubs and your face up card is a club. Three, you have three suited cards. If you look out at the other players' up cards and you see less than three clubs get involved in the hand. If you see three or more clubs, be cautious about entering because there's just not enough clubs available because those are the only, those are the only, if you see three, those are only three that you actually see. There may be other clubs which are face down in people's hands which remove even more of your outs. So as a general rule, three suited cards with less than three of the other cards face up showing the same suit. Play three connected cards with at least an ace, king, or queen. So, for example, play queen, king, ace, jack, queen, king, ten, jack, queen. And if two of those are suited, all the better. Pay attention to your opponent's cards. That is, as I just mentioned, are there any and how many of those cards that you still need are already dead because they're already a part of someone else's hands? This is where you need to pay attention to people's up cards and then remember people can fold in the middle of their hand right so they might get to fourth or fifth street and fold and now you don't see their hand anymore so you've got to you've got to pay attention as each card comes out and try to take note of that as best you can it's not it's not possible for most of us unless you're Elia Lezra who can kind of glance around the board and and quickly remember every single card that's out there and what's available and what's not um, just do the best you can Find a set of rules to make it easy to try to remember most of the cards that are out there. And then you'll know right away, play three suited cards if you see less than three of your suit out. If you have connected cards and you don't see don't see more than two of your open-enders out there, get, get involved. Um, next rule, you'll likely need two pair, a set, or better to win at Showdown. And I have to give a quick nod to Norman Chad for calling this game a, quote, race to two pair, end quote. Norman Chad likes to say this is a race to two pair. Uh, watch some of his seven-card stud commentating, and you'll see him uh, see him talk about that. So those are some basic rules to get you started in a game of seven-card stud that'll put you ahead of some of the other players. All right, let's, uh, let's move on and talk about some of my recent play since episode three. So I recently played in a one-two no-limit game, and I made I made a, a number of correct plays with some great reads, followed by some tough laydowns, which ended up being correct. I'm definitely improving my uh, my no limit hold'em game as I work to get back to the player I was quite a few years ago. That said, 
I did make one poor play in this session, which cost me over $150 in profit. I misplayed this particular hand from the start, and it cost me the pot. So we're going to talk about this hand. Nobody wants to hear about the correct plays and reads and, and laydowns I made, right? That's no fun. We want to hear about the, the hand I, I screwed up and lost lost a pile of money on. So I looked down. I looked down at King King and call a raise from another player in middle position. This was my first mistake, right? I mean, he, anybody who knows no limit, look down at King King and um, facing a raise, I, I call. I should have repopped the action here. My reason for hesitation was another player acting before me who called the first raise. So the information I had on the initial raiser up front is that in this session, he was showing down with small connected cards and suited connectors in hopes of and, and making straights and flushes. So he was calling down and showing a lot of middle, middle cards connected and or suited. All right, so flop comes down 986 off suit, pretty much. 986, the pre-flop raiser bets out. I call, yep, second mistake, as I probably should have raised it up. The last player to act folds puts me in position for the remainder of the hand so you'll you'll see here let, let, let's go on and, and and we'll talk about why i made that second mistake the turn is another nine pre-flop raiser bets out again so now we have nine eight six nine on board pre-flop raiser bets out again i go into the tank knowing that he's quite capable, remember my read, he's capable of playing hands like an eight or nine or a bunch of other hands that contain a nine. Remember, I mentioned he's been showing down a lot of middling connecting cards. So we now have a six, eight, nine, nine on board. We have two nines. We have possible straight draw. So straight board on draw, and he's shown down these straightening cards a number of times this session. So after going into the tank for a short bit, I fold figuring, well, there's another large bet coming on the river and unsure if I'm going to be able to make the call. I should have continued to call down, especially after he showed his hand and flipped over queen, queen. As can be seen, I made a number of mistakes, starting with not re-raising up front with king, king. Had I done that, I would have had a better idea of what I was up against early in the hand and could have played the hand out a lot better and very likely would have went on winning the hand. In any event, I still ended up this session almost $200 after about two hours of play. So it worked out, made a big mistake, learned a lot from that mistake, and I'm going to use that information moving forward. Okay, this one, this podcast going on a little longer, uh, going to go a little bit longer than usual because we're going to talk about the WSOP, the 2022 WSOP schedule, a little bit to talk about there. Um, before we, uh, before we let everybody go by now, you know, I love no limit hold'em as much as the next poker player. In fact, I just talked about a no limit hold'em session I was in. You also know that as much as I enjoy hold'em, our focus here in this podcast is on non hold'em poker games. And if you don't know that, check out my newsletters at pokerchannel.substack.com. That is pokerchannel, all one word, pokerchannel.com dot substack.com where you can also find all of the podcasts as well while there's no shortage of hold'em events at this year's upcoming 2022 wsop or any tournament series anywhere 
The WSOP is one of the few live tournaments in the world offering several major variations besides No Limit Hold'em, as well as some different and unusual format Hold'em tournaments. This is part of why I'm so excited to discuss this tournament series, which hosts the largest gathering of poker players at any given time. So the 2022 WSOP boasts 88 live events where a gold bracelet will be awarded to the winner of each. Whether you're serious or not so serious about poker, a WSOP gold bracelet is the ultimate prize, not to mention the prize money that goes with winning such an event. So now this is where things really get exciting. And I I know there's a a bunch of places, news, podcasts, streams, where you can listen to... uh, to WSOP, you know, talk about the schedule, but this podcast series, right, we discuss non-hold'em events, so I'm going to go into uh, to an analysis of some of the uh, non-hold'em uh, events or some of the events that include hold'em, as you'll hear, but also include other games and mixed game rotations. So this podcast is unique in that we're going to focus on the mixed games of the WSOP schedule. So of the 88 live bracelet events, 37 consist of games that are either not Hold'em or, as I mentioned, where Hold'em is one of the games in a mixed game rotation. That's a whopping 42% of series events that are not solely Hold'em events. This compares almost exactly to the 38 events at the 2021 WSOP. Now you see why we're so excited. Nowhere else in the world is there a tournament series that boasts so many great events both tournaments and cash games, and encompassing such a variety of formats. So I mentioned 38 non-Hold'em events, or, or where Hold'em is a part of a rotation in 2021, one less in the 2022 series. The one missing event from this year's series is a $25,000 horse event. So not a huge deal to uh, to most of us, um, just one less event, and that's a, a big, big buy-in uh, horse event. And we'll talk about horse in a little bit here. So one of the new variations of Hold'em to this year's series, which I'm going to call the WSOP, the series, one of the new variations is the Million Dollar Bounty No Limit Hold'em event, where someone will win $1 million for knocking another player out. So bounty events are usually where it's something where if you knock a player out, you get a token, and um, it's either you either get a straight-up cash amount or what's become sort of a new a new way is uh, out of the win mystery bounty you knock somebody out you get you get to draw like a lottery you get to go up and draw a ticket and end up and pull it off and see what your prize is the series is doing a little bit of a change up on this um, but someone has the opportunity um, gonna knock somebody out and win a million dollars so that, that that's that should generate some excitement for that uh, that particular event as far as the 37 non-Hold'em events, there are quite a variety of games and buy-ins to choose from. Options include Omaha, Pot Limit Omaha, known as PLO, Big O, Omaha 8 or Better, also known as Omaha 8, 7-Card Stud, 7-Card Stud 8 or Better, also known as Stud 8, Raz, which is 7-Card Stud Low, Deuce to 7 Triple Draw Low Ball, and No Limit Deuce to 7 Single Draw. Some of, the, some of the variations of games that are offered. There are also a number of mixed game rotation events to choose from. Mixed game rotations 
Mixed game rotations consist of several games played in rotation and switching from one game to the next after a specified number of hands. There's a few standardish mixed game rotation events that have No Limit Hold'em and Pot Limit Omaha, and there are four horse events, number 32, event number 44, um, and event number 84, sorry, three, four last year, three this year. So the four, three horse, here we go again, three horse events are number 32, 44, and 84. And horse is H for Limit Hold'em, O for Limit Omaha 8 or Better, R for Raz, S for 7-card stud, and E for 7-card stud 8 or Better. So some of the lesser known and harder to find mixed games, which you can actually find at this event, at this year's WSOP, include mixed triple draw low ball, which is event number 17, which is three games, limit ace to five low ball, limit deuce to seven triple draw, and another game, limit badoogie. Phenomenal, very interesting, um, exciting game. And for those who really like to mix it up, there's, there's an eight game and nine game rotations. So eight game is event number 48 and is a six-handed mixed game comprising, get this, eight games, you ready? Deuce to seven triple draw, limit hold'em, limit Omaha eight or better, Raz, seven card stud, seven card stud, eight or better, no limit hold'em, and pot limit Omaha. So to make it a little easier, eight game is horse. The five games I mentioned is in horse plus deuce to seven triple draw, no Limit Hold'em, and Pot Limit Omaha. You can imagine the action in, in an eight-game mix. The nine-game event, which is number 52, is also a six-handed mixed-game rotation event comprised of the eight-game mi- mi- <laughs> eight mix I mentioned above plus No Limit Deuce to Seven single draw. There's also a mixed Big Bet, big bet event, number 35, which includes No Limit five-card draw. It also includes No Limit Hold'em, PLO, Deuce to Seven, No Limit, Big O, PLO, Eight are better, and Deuce to Seven, Pot Limit, Triple Draw. The exciting piece of this is No Limit Five Card Draw. Where else can you find five card draw in tournament fashion or anywhere in a live setting for that matter? If you haven't listened to episode one of Poker, All the Games, check it out as we discuss that five card draw less poker yeah, you heard that right. Drawless. Drawless. Drawless poker was the predecessor to what we now know today as five-card draw. So you can consider it the, the, the closest relative to five-card draw, which I termed in episode one, drawless poker. We've only scratched the surface of what's available to play live at Bally's Horseshoe and Paris Casinos in Las Vegas from May 31st July 20, 2022. So remember, we mentioned uh, on episode three, I believe, where we mentioned that uh, Bally's in Las Vegas is going to be rebranding as the Horseshoe because that's where the World Series of Poker started downtown at the Horseshoe Casino. So it's going to be at what is now known as Bally's on the Strip, which will be rebranded as Horseshoe, and it will also be held at Paris, which are connected. So Bally's, Par- Bally's Horseshoe and Paris Casinos are connected, and that's where this year's WSOP will be taking place from May 31st to July 20. For Hold'em and non-Hold'em players alike, the 2022 WSOP is the place to be for all things poker. 
You can check out the full schedule of the live 2022 and online WSOP at WSOP.com and start figuring out which games you want to try your hand at. If you're looking to try a new game or two, or eight or nine, subscribe to this podcast, Poker, All the Games, where you can learn the ins and outs and discuss 20-some variations with myself and fellow players before the largest poker tournament series in the world begins in Las Vegas on May 31st. Looking forward to seeing you at the series on the green felt. Well, that's all for episode four, Seven Card Stud. Thank you for listening to Poker, All the Games. Join us again in two weeks for episode five, where we are going to kick it up a notch and move into high-low split pot games by discussing Omaha eight or better. Thanks to Ricky Snyder for music and sound. Be sure to leave us a review and subscribe to this podcast, Poker, All the Games, so you never miss an episode. Until then, may your hands be huge, your cards fill both high and low, and scoop as many pots as you can. Mm -hmm.